Amen. As we continue our 40 days of prayer, and we've been looking at reawakening to the glory of Christ, and we looked at reawakening to the Holy Spirit, and we want to look at reawakening to the church of Jesus Christ. And just that uh, introductory video, just giving a, a taste of what it is that Jesus desires for his church. Uh, Dr. Tony Evans said, God has an embassy in history. It's called the church. The church is God's embassy to bring the values of the homeland into foreign territory. The church is not to represent the country it's in. It's to represent the country it's from. And so we as the church of Jesus Christ have the opportunity in this world to be representatives of the kingdom of God. And we want to look at that this morning and allow our hearts to be reawakened to that reality. And we want to do so by looking at Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19. Where it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Someone once said that when the church forgets its proper ownership and the values of the homeland, which is heaven, it is no longer the embassy of hope as designed. It becomes merely a religious institution of the culture around it misusing the name of Jesus. But when the church steps boldly into its Christ-given role, it possesses the very power of the keys of the kingdom. So let's look at the church together this morning. And the first thing we want to see here from Matthew chapter 16 is that we need to remember the rightful owner of the church. Remember the rightful owner. Again, verse 18. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what we see here is Jesus interacting with Peter and doing a bit of a play on words here as we have, you are Peter, but on this rock I will build my church, that we have a Petros and a Petra at work here in the Greek. Simon Peter is, is called Petros by Jesus. And in verse 18, he uses both words, Petros and Petra, which means rock. And so Petros, which he refers to as Peter, it's kind of a stony, rocky, loose stones, little pebbles. And, and Jesus says, Peter, this is you. You're just a, a little loose pebble, and, which is surprising because this is one of the few times in Scripture where Peter actually says something correct and actually gets it right without making a fool of himself. But he says, Peter, you're this little rock, this little stone, but on this Petra, on this bedrock, on this foundation, I'm going to build my church. So he's not saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church on you. 
because he just said you're, you're loose little pebbles. It's, it's not stable ground. But I'm going to build my church on this profession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. But then he says, I will build my church. Now, notice what he says there. I will build my church because we run ourselves ragged trying to build his church. When he said, I do that. I need you to be faithful to do what I've called you to do, but I am the one who builds my church. But then he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I love that. And we've talked about that before, how if you think about the gates of a city, armies don't usually go into battle by taking up the gates of their city and just kind of marching the gates of the city into battle. The gates of the city are meant to be a last line of defense from an invading army. And sometimes we think about this, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against Christ's church as, you know, we are here in this world and we are just hunkered down trying to protect ourselves and hold on to the truth while the culture and the world and, and the enemy, all of it just comes pouring down upon us and, and we're just trying to hold faithful till the end. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's not saying that our gates are going to stand up against it. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Which means all the forces of evil and darkness and wickedness in the world are not going to be able to withstand the advance of the church of Jesus Christ in doing the work of the kingdom of God. So it's not a defensive posture. It's an offensive posture of the church of Jesus Christ living out the mission of Christ, doing the work of the kingdom of God in this world. Because it's the church of Jesus Christ. He owns it. He builds it. He works through it. It's his. Sometimes it does us well to remember that he will build his church. It's his church. It's not ours. A lot of times what we say, you know, my church, my church, and, and I understand what we mean by that, but sometimes if we're not careful, we can actually think it's my church. And I have a say in my church. It's his. It belongs to him. It's the church of Jesus Christ. So we need to remember the rightful owner of the church, who is Jesus. We need to remember the rightful place. His church reflects the kingdom of heaven on earth. The place of the church is to distribute kingdom values in current culture. The place of the church exists to take the kingdom of God and be ambassadors of the kingdom of God and allow the kingdom of God to penetrate this world and transform the world which is more than just shouting from the rooftops the values of the kingdom. It's more than just voting the Bible, but it's, it's living out the values of the kingdom of God. Seeing Jesus Christ make a difference in the lives of people. Being instruments of grace and forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The church of Jesus Christ is to be a people who are ambassadors of grace and forgiveness in the world. Does anybody think our world could use more grace and forgiveness? 
There's not a lot of that out there. This should be, when you walk into a gathering of the people of God, should be a place where you experience more grace and more forgiveness than you've ever comprehended or encountered in your life. Right now, I have this beautiful opportunity last week and this coming week to be in my final two weeks of classes for my doctoral program and the cohort that I've been a part of for these three years. One of them here, Andy, and from Michigan. This cohort, this little group of people, has been for me a life-changing group of grace, of a people who have gotten to know me, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between. And I've shown nothing but grace and forgiveness and the love of Christ. And I wonder what could happen in every church across America if we were people of grace and forgiveness and actually took that outside the walls of the gathered church and took that to the world around us to take the love and the grace and forgiveness of Jesus to the world. To bring value to all people. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. To take the values of the kingdom, to tear down walls of racism and xenophobia to tear down all of these walls that divide because our current world we are building up walls everywhere we're now building up walls over every single last thing we build up walls based on what food products you buy what food products you don't buy now there's scandal about M&Ms and should we eat M&Ms anymore and anything we can possibly divide over we we build up this wall Rather than saying that none of this matters. Because all are one in Christ Jesus. And we are to be a people who bring value to all people. To show value to all human life. Number three, salvation to all who believe. Instead of religious exclusivity. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know if you read the book of Acts that for the Jewish apostles and the church at Jerusalem, they wrestled because the message of Jesus was going great, but then they encounter this problem. When all of these Gentiles start responding to Jesus, um, what do we do about that? They're not like us. They're not our people. They don't worship the way that we do. What do we do with that? And the resolution of the book of Acts is we break down those walls and take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to all who would hear. The place of the church is to reflect the kingdom values in our culture. Now, not to take the role of an earthly government. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I hate doing my own slides because I can see backwards what it is. But Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, 
to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Have you ever noticed in the Gospels that Jesus reflects himself through the church, not through politics? Jesus didn't get very politically engaged in his ministry. But if I could bring up Colossians somewhere, and there it is. Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The role of the church is to bring forth the message of Jesus clearly to the world. The third thing is on earth as it is in heaven. The church brings the values of eternity to present humanity. What we saw there in Matthew chapter 16 is this reference about the keys of the kingdom. In Matthew chapter 16 verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So binding and loosing, and that could be a completely separate sermon in and of itself, is a delegated authority from Jesus to his church. The powers of darkness will never defeat the true church of Jesus Christ based on what he's saying. But also God will do collectively through his church more than what he does through us individually. Did you ever notice this habit of God? Even from the beginning of Genesis, God calls his people to community, brings Adam and Eve together. Then he makes a covenant with Abraham and and surrounds Abraham with the people. He makes Abraham into a father of many nations. And the people of Israel gather as a community and they wander the wilderness as a community. And then in the New Testament, Jesus gathers his people together as the church and gives them his mission in the world. We live in a very individualistic society. And and as Francis Chan referenced in the video, that such a common thought of, well, something upset me here at this church, so I'm just going to go somewhere else. We've made everything individual about me, myself, and I. What do I like? What do I prefer? And we lose the sense of how much we need each other as a brotherhood and sisterhood of believers, as the people of God, as the church. Think about what Paul says about the body. That if one part suffers, all suffer. How much do we depend on each other? How much are we impacted by each other's lives? And we've lost that sense because if you're part of the early church, your life literally depends on the people that you worship with. I mean, any one of them could rat you out and you will be put to death. The trust, the love, the support that was a part of that, we've lost sense of that because we can say, well, I, I can go to any church I want. I can just watch on TV. And years ago, I, I preached a message on this and said that you could turn on the television or go online and find a far better preacher than me. 
you can tune into any kind of YouTube channel or Spotify and find top-of-the-line worship music to listen to, but what you miss in all of that is fellowship and the relationship between the people of God. And somebody took that to mean that, oh, you're giving me permission to not go to church. Kind of missed that point a little. It's the people of God gathered together as the church. But the church remains in this tension. This tension of the now and not yet reality of the kingdom of God. Remember how Jesus taught his disciples to pray and teaches us to pray and may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and so we live in this tension of the reality of the kingdom of God has come, but we don't yet see the fullness of it. And if we think we see the fullness of it, just watch the news tonight and you'll oh, okay, there, there's still some work to do. This tension of the now and not yet. But we continue to reflect Christ, to show his love to the world and make disciples. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, when he mentions a royal priesthood, it kind of conjures up certain imagery, of course, back to the Old Testament, but I can assure you that when you have the title of priest or pastor on you, people can get really weird around you. If you are sitting in a doctor's waiting room and somebody asks you what you do for a living and you say pastor, you can see on their face the panic of what all did I say before we had this conversation? Of continually have people who just will swear and then be like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, <laughs> we are all a royal priesthood. What that means is that we are all a people who represent God to the world. That's what a priest would do. Represent God to the people and go to God on behalf of the people. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we represent Jesus Christ in what we say, what we do, how we conduct ourselves. How good of a job are we doing as his priests in this world? Wherever we go, are we showing people the reality of who Jesus is? I mean, think about living in the first century, living at the time of the Gospels, and Jesus actually living and walking among your community. He does that now through his church, through his people. He works through us and is represented through us. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What if we could like just wear a hat that had those two commandments on it so that ever and have it backwards so every time we look in the mirror we're reminded what's my job today oh yeah 
Love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love my neighbor as myself. Love God with everything I have and love the people around me with everything I have. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, over against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Did you catch the beginning of that? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not our enemy. Your neighbor is not your enemy. The person who thinks differently than you, who acts differently than you, is not your enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's our assignment, no matter who we're around, no matter who we're with, to love God with everything we have and love our neighbor as ourselves. Oh, that that would be a check mark, a, a guidepost, a, a frame of, of how we critique ourselves, of how well do we live those two things. As a people, how well do we love Jesus and how well do we love the people around us? So who are we? Why are we here? Why are we a church? Why is there a church? We're here to be a gathered people who love Jesus with everything we have and show his love to the world around us. I've never been more convinced in my life that the world today desperately needs to see this in action. I heard a sermon when I was in high school and I still remember the title of it. I still have the cassette of it and listen to it often, but my pastor gave a message called The World at Its Worst Needs the Church at Its Best. And he gave that in like 1989. Remember how simple things were in 1989? Fast forward to 2022. The world at its worst needs the church at its best. The world at its worst needs to see a people who love Jesus with everything they have and love the people around them like Jesus would. Are we that kind of people? Corporately, individually. As we continue in these 40 days of prayer and just praying for a fresh awakening of the Spirit of God, let's pray for not only our church, but churches across this country to return to the simplicity of what it is that Jesus has called us to do. To love him. To love people. To represent him. His kingdom. His gospel. Let's pray. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.